This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is Tawny from the Dirty Bits Podcast, and you're listening to Busted Wide Open on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. But if you're joining us for the first time, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 57. I'm Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And this week, poor Nick is coming off of a very, very nasty virus of some sort. Uh, I'm about as caffeinated as Nick is medicated right now. I'm in bad so shape, sh- you guys. This should be an interesting show. I have, <laughs> I have braved the dark pit of disease that is the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena, but it's okay. I've topped my kidneys up with enough vitamin C to kill a cow in order to combat the miasma of plague that's still lingering in the air. Yes. Uh, Nick, Nick. Uh, luckily, I'm glad you're able to do the show, man. I know you, you're so sick you switched from Pedialyte to Pedia Heavy. Yes. So it's, uh, it's very nice for you to join us today. Yes. Stomach viruses are no joke. It's uh, it's it's not been a fun few days. So thank you for for tolerating me, you and the listeners, uh, for what might be not as energetic on my part, at least for the show. That's so okay. You're gonna have to carry the, the load for I, us. Today. I've had enough coffee for the both of us at this point, <laughs> so that should be working just fine. So we've had another week of redneck anime come and go, and uh, we are one <laughs> week closer to Fastlane and WrestleMania in the WWE. Uh, one of those I'm excited about, one not so much. I tell you, man, I think Fastlane this year we should just call Road Bump or Speed Bump. Didn't they used to call it Road Block? There was Road Block once upon a time, and I'm glad they didn't use it for this show because that's just a little bit too literal yeah. uh, at this point. It, SmackDown was just a hot garbage go-home show. I really have no better way to put it than that. I had I, completely forgotten that it was a go-home show. I, you, you really, there was a couple of places you could tell, but overall it just it didn't, I don't feel hyped at all for Fastlane. I'm, I'm actually kind of, to be perfectly honest, I'm dreading it a little uh, I'm bit. I'm a little scared of, yeah. of what could actually happen here. Uh, definitely. I, I'm, I'm confident that my worst fears won't come to pass. I hope. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll discuss uh, SmackDown and Fastlane and everything going on there. Uh, we are also looking at, on the upside, a possibly monster WrestleMania card. The match list is clearing up a bit with some of the stuff that happened this week. Uh, there. This could be an all-time WrestleMania if they don't trip over their own shoelaces on the way there. They're looking at some very, very good stuff yeah. on this card. Uh, but before we really get into all of that, we've got to go talk about the big news. Last most big news segments have shown or started off here on Busted Wide Open. We have yet another set of injury updates, Ian. Yeah, it's, it's sad that we have to have injuries be the big news so often, but at least this week, 
a lot of it's very hopeful and, and happy news. Jeff Hardy has just been cleared by his surgeon to return. And Brother Nero. He could be coming. back at any time. Uh, we doesn't. Look, it does look like we are going to get an ultimate deletion that takes place at the compound. Uh, we might be getting the Woken Hardy gimmick back on track, finally. House uh, of Horrors 2.0? Uh, hopefully the opposite. Hopefully what they tried to do with House of Horrors, which was rip off the, the Broken Hardy thing, uh, hopefully they do it right because Matt's at the helm this time, the helm of the dilapidated ship, if you will. Yeah. Uh, uh, but apparently, they actually filmed the segment yesterday. So, Ultimate Deletion has been filmed. So, if Jeff was cleared in time, uh, and from what my reports, he was cleared earlier this week, we could see an appearance yes. in, in Ultimate Deletion. I've been, I've been waiting for this. I've been saying the whole time that it, it doesn't work without him, that the two of them have to be together, or at least at odds with each other, something. But I think throwing Bray Wyatt into the mix of this is is going to make it even more interesting. I hope. Yeah, I, I th- you know there was some stuff that went on with Bray this week that does give a glimmer of hope, but I'm still so nervous yeah. about it. Uh, hopefully, I mean we'll see what they come up with. From what I'm hearing, this is not going to be a part of WrestleMania. It might even wait as long as the Raw after WrestleMania to really kick off, uh, which I think would be fine. Keep this to the sidelines, keep it on the back burner, and then go in hard with it after WrestleMania. I think that might be a great idea. Yeah. Um, but in exciting news of things that may happen before WrestleMania, Samoa Joe's injury timetable, he had the uh, the plantar rupture in his foot. He's actually due back and at any time. He, he could be back by WrestleMania. We could see him in angles leading up to WrestleMania um, if they don't want to hold him for the Raw after WrestleMania and start him in a feud then. We could see him get involved in the Intercontinental title picture. We could see him get involved in a couple of different angles that are out there uh, for people that don't really have anything going on at this point, or he could even return for the arm bar. We don't know, but but his timetable is that he should be back at any time. Um, on the downside, on the bad injury list, uh, Bobby Fish, one of the tag champions over on NXT as a part of the Undisputed Era, it just injured his leg at, uh, uh, at a recent house show in Indianapolis. A pretty nasty injury, apparently, and current speculation is they're going to relinquish the tag titles uh, and give them up. And the current Dusty Classic tag tournament that's going on right now, which will culminate at TakeOver New Orleans, will instead, the final match will be for the vacated championship. So okay. once again, uh, vacant adds to his long list of, uh, of, ta- <laughs> of, of championship accolades, unfortunately. But hopefully Bobby Fish, I, we don't know what his timetable is yet. We haven't really determined what the injury is. Yeah. Uh, once we know that, we'll let you guys know. And, and hopefully it's something that he will heal from quickly. I'm a fan of this. After SmackDown Live did theirs for the U.S. title, and we've had the, um, the one going on in the Cruiserweight Classic, or not the Cruiserweight Classic, but the Cruiserweight Division, uh, over on 205 Live. Now we're going to have, we have the Dusty, Cla- Dusty Rhodes Classic. I'm a fan of tournaments and all of these tournaments going on. It is March. It's March Madness. Is there a plot twist here where this is all kind of part of the bracketology craze that goes on in March? I don't know. I mean, there's been a lot more tournaments in WWE recently. Obviously, Japan, New Japan has like three or four every year. Uh, and we're actually about to come up on the New Japan Cup and then the Battle of Super Junior, Best of Super Juniors after that. So. There's definitely a lot of bracketology coming up uh, on both sides of the pond, and I definitely think that it's, it's a really easy way to just get stories going without having to do all of this uh, meddling with characters yeah. and, and, and crazy intrigue and, and dumb plot lines that WWE has a nasty history of doing. It's an easy way to just jumpstart something, 
Uh, and if done well, it can be super exciting, like what we're seeing over on 205 Live, which is killing it right now. Yeah, and it's all for me, in my opinion, because of stakes, because of the tournament. Yep. You know, every every win, every move forward has stakes tied to right. it. Right, now wins and losses do matter, despite yes. what WWE says. There's something on the line. It's an easy thing for any character to say, like, I'm doing this just for this opportunity, blah, 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 at whatever whatever the tournament victory gives you a cup or it gives you a, a belt or whatever it gives you or an opportunity. Uh, you have something on the line. So no, tournaments, definitely a big fan of them, especially how they've been used recently. Well, our last piece of big news is we got our latest Hall of Fame inductee for the class of 2018, Hillbilly Jim. Yes, Hillbilly Jim. You got to go back to like NWA, early 80s kind of stuff. I'm not going to lie. Well, yeah, he was, uh, the initial angle was he was picked out of the crowd by Hulk Hogan. He was a a standby and Hulk Hogan picked him out as a guy he wanted to work with and and he ended up winning a match and Hulk Hogan started training and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it was, you know, I, one I'll fully admit I had forgotten about Hillbilly Jim. If Me you too. Had, if you had said, so who are some of the, you know, the great fond memories you have of 80s wrestlers, I would have forgotten about Hillbilly Jim. And I used to have it like one of those like eight, nine inch rubber Hillbilly Jim squeeze them doll things back in the 80s uh, because he he was kind of ubiquitous for, the, for a while there. He was very over. He was a very fun character. You just couldn't help but like him. Um, and I, I do have now that I, I'm like, oh yeah, Hillbilly Jim. He was awesome. He, I'm super excited about this. This is really cool. It's a good accolade for a guy who was a big part of the 80s wrestling scene. Uh, so, no, I'm super excited about this. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. And, and I think it's a great addition as a, on the Legends roster. You know, every year they've got like a tag team and the, the, the A-lister. And then you have like a legend of some sort. And this is, I mean... You know, as opposed to say, oh, I don't know, the Godfather. This is a much better pick. Oh, of, of course. And for me, if you think about the '80s, it's very easy to remember the top of the card back then of who all the sure. Sheik and Andre the Giant and uh, Hogan, Flair, all, all those guys. It's easy to remember those. But the, there's still that mid card that, that all those guys worked with that are sometimes you know often overlooked. And I think Hillbilly Jim's a great example of one of those guys that uh, had one of those standout characters. He was big. He was a big dude. dude. I forgot how big he was. <laughs> what, six seven. He was taller than Hogan. Yeah, he was huge. He, he was huge. I don't want to say he's a seven footer, but I mean he's up there with like he's Kevin Nash, six eight, six ten thereabouts. Yeah, I mean I think Nash is like six eleven. He was he was really big. But at any rate, yeah, big no. dude walking around in overalls is a good sight to see. <laughs> Flexing the shoulders yeah. and everything. Uh, yeah, I actually remember him back from uh, was it WrestleMania seventeen with, with was the gimmick Battle Royale, and I think Sheik eliminated him. I don't know. I have to look that up. But You're it, digging into my memory bank. Yeah. I, I remember he came back for that and was kind of like, yeah, yeah, Billy Jim. That's literally the last time I thought about him <laughs> until now. But uh, but no, this is a great call. I'm super happy to see Hillbilly Jim come back. I'm looking forward to seeing him get this accolade. He definitely deserves it. Way to go, Hillbilly Jim. Uh, that's it for the big news this week, but we've got a ton to talk about on the other major shows in WWE. Plus, we've got a ton of other wrestling news and other divisions at the end of it. So stick around. But right now, we got to go talk about Monday Night Raw. So Kurt Angle is not happy oh, did with I, the authority. Man, this okay. This is the top of the show that we're going to talk about. It's the first thing on the show, and it's the first thing we need to talk about because it's one of the things we talked about last week was that Kurt Angle has been getting punked out by Triple H since Survivor Series, and we were hoping, hoping that they would actually go on the route where Kurt got sick and tired of getting punked out by Hunter 
and turn into the Kurt Angle of old where he just man up and be like, come on, I'm going to break your ankle. Right. And he did. And he did. It. And he did. They referenced Survivor Series, so that paid off. Finally, uh, he referenced uh, getting sucker punched last week, came to the ring, said, you know what? All right, Hunter, you want to do that? Rips off his sport coat and goes, come on, I'm going to kick your ass. Right. Fantastic. Except out comes Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> To remind him that he has four, no, five. You forgot about Jason Jordan. It's actually six kids that he's got to pay for, uh, and he needs this job. Uh, so he's taking Heath Slater's gimmick now, a little gimmick infringement on Heath Slater here, but fine. This was entertaining. Stephanie was her usual heat-getting self. Um, and just as Kurt's about to be like, well, I, yeah, you're right. I guess I shouldn't do this. Ronda Rousey comes out. But not before Stephanie cl- uh, clarified that Triple H was not in the building uh, Right, yes. Triple H is not here right. right now, so he can't come out and answer your challenge. <laughs> so this was really fun. So Rhonda comes out and, and uh, essentially says, so, you know, in this contract, I realize that I can challenge whoever I want for my WrestleMania match, which right. is my debut match. So I'm going to challenge you, Stephanie, at which point Triple H comes out and goes, no, 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 not like this, not like this. Wait, I thought you weren't here, Triple H. I thought you weren't here, Triple H. Well, never mind that. Yeah. <laughs> this, was, this was a ton of fun. It was a great way to open Raw. A lot of good character work. This is basically everything that I wanted from this angle. Uh, was Stephanie and, and Hunter looking like weasels, Kurt manning up, and finally you know, taking, taking the reins of the situation. And Ronda Rousey, even though she's still a little bit mm, futzy on the mic, she's not that strong in the mic. My God, when she got pissed off in this match, her facial expression, that chick has the scariest scowl. I've seen. I she, mean, she does, but I'm I'm a little. We got to see her actually do some kind of a wrestling move, and I'm not really sure what it was because it was a little. I don't know if it was her or Stephanie or combination of both. It was a little botchy. It was a little sloppy, and I, that's my concern. It, you mentioned she's a little too green on the mic. I think she's a little too green overall. I think if this were any other superstar startup superstar that wasn't a name from another brand they would be down at the performance center getting taught and that's my concern about Rhonda is that she's getting put over because of her name but I, I want to see her work and I want to see her work with wrestlers uh, because if it, yes Triple H can carry somebody I don't know if Stephanie can well this is the, this is really the issue is that uh, you know their first match Stephanie has had some decent matches, but it's not because of her, of her in-ring work. It's more because of the psychology of it. Sure. Uh, so the question is, you know, can Rousey get a good match out of Stephanie? Can she get good moves out of Stephanie and vice versa? I think that they're definitely booking this as an as a intergender tag match for the safety. And, and, you know, Hunter and Kurt can go do the wrestling stuff as much as they can at this advanced age. But I don't think this is going to be a pretty match. No. I think it will be a fun match. I certainly like Ronda Rousey looking angry and then killing someone. I'm down with that. I, you know, so I this this is not the worst thing ever. And frankly, this whole build here, it was messy, but I was still entertained the entire time, and I liked it. And now we officially have this intergender match at WrestleMania. And for what it's worth, just so you know, the uh, move she put on Stephanie was a standing reverse kataguruma. Uh, according to Ronda Rousey on Twitter. It looked like a Samoan drop to me. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> Fall away slam, Samoan drop, yeah. something like that. It, it was not the prettiest looking move. It no. may have been the clothes. It may have just may have been botchy. Who knows? Whatever. <laughs> the bottom line is Stephanie took a bump. All right. Can yeah. we at least give her that? Stephanie finally took a bump. 
fine. Uh, yeah. So no, that this segment was great. I'm happy. She it wasn't happened. in her gear. I'll, I'll give her a pass. Sure. It's, this is this is fine. Right. I'm just glad that they, as far as storyline wise, they did everything that I wanted them to do. Everything I asked, we got Kurt trying to break Hunter's ankle. It was it was great. Are we going to get UFC Ronda Rousey in the sports bra and trunks with the gloves like Lesnar comes out in his trunks and his gloves? I have no idea. I'm I, interested to see what her gear is going to be. That'd be cool. It might be a little too close to Sonya Deville and what, yeah. they're, and what they're doing with um, Shayna Baszler over in NXT. Yeah. But, I mean, we'll see. They'll probably keep it different enough from then while still harking back to MMA and somehow. Yeah. Uh, speaking of really good segments on the show, we've got to talk about uh, Nia Jax. And I, I know, uh, deep breath, buddy. Uh, deep breath, because I'm... Good thing I'm sick this week. It's, you know what? It is a good thing that you're sick, because I'm about to give a lot of praise to Nia Jax this week. First of all, she had a match against Asuka that, once again, was, was great in getting both of them over. It made it look like Asuka barely survived her, while at the same time, Asuka had her in this arm bar for like five minutes and she tried, uh, Nia kept trying to find ways to get out of it. A lot of strength moves in this match that made her look fantastic. But it also made Asuka look like just a wild pit bull who just would not let go of this arm no matter what happened to her. And she finally uh, made Nia tap out. And then afterwards, Nia's in the ring just cradling this arm on the verge of tears. And afterwards is in the back icing her arm and her quote-unquote friend, Alexa Bliss, comes up and gives her probably one of the most mean girls pep talks you've ever heard to the point where Nia legitimately breaks down crying because of the things that Alexa is saying. Not, and this is legit crying. She starts really, really, like, real tears. And I think it's because Alexa, it, it was a bit of a shoot where she was talking about how Nia was always the big girl yeah. and people would always make fun of her or think of her differently. And that's when Nia, you could see her just go, Ugh! and the tears really started coming. I legit got the feels in this segment. I okay. was like, that's, this is good stuff. And it was a little bit uncomfortable because the WWE, the cameras just went right up into Nia's face as close as they could freaking get. And I was just like, okay. But I loved all all of this because in addition, it feels like they're working towards a Nia face turn, possibly to have her face Alexa at WrestleMania. That's my suspicion. And if this is the, the tack they're going with it, this, this angle, I think this is great. I think that's a great way to go at it. Yes. I don't want Nia Jax to be the one that beats Oscar. She's not going to be the one that beats Oscar. We've just I, proven that she's I just lost but her they twice. Keep trying to, yeah, they, no, I they, think twice they've now they're trying to do that. So I think hopefully we're done with that. But if we're if we're going to spend the next four weeks building towards a face Nia face turn and Alexa Bliss at uh, at Mania, that's my suspicion. Okay, that's my and I'm I'm down with that. So I think that that's means great. you think Oscar's going after Flair? I do. Okay. I think I think Oscar because I think right now they're swerving us, but they're making us think that she's going after Alexa. And I think at some point she's going to come out and be like, "No, I'm going for Charlotte," and everyone's going to be like. <gasps> and then we'll get Nia and Alexa, which I think will be a great payoff, especially if they continue on this. So far, really well done face turn for Nia. So, yeah, I, this was another bit that I liked. I like where they're going with this. I think this could be leading to a couple of really good WrestleMania matches. Yeah. You know, I'm still hung up on uh, the, you know, yes, Nia is the, what do they call it? The indomitable force. Irresistible right? force. Irresistible force. Yeah. Uh, I'm still hung up on the idea that uh, some of the moves look like they could legitimately hurt oh other superstars. God. Right? And she has legitimately hurt other superstars. So in the past. has Seth Rollins. So has now, Samoa Joe. Let me finish. Come on. And you'll have you'll be happy with what I've got to say. Okay. 
the only way this works for me is because I know, because you've shown me, that Asuka survived Minoru Suzuki. Oh, God. So there's nothing Nia Jax could do to Asuka <laughs> that could possibly break her. No. So I'm okay with this because of that one thing alone. However, her throws are still a little bit sloppy. They're, but they're getting better than they were a year ago, admittedly. But I, there's still some more to go. When you put them in there like little Asuka and little Alexa Bliss, that's where I start getting. And maybe it's me being an old school man and traditional kind of. I get big brothery and I'm like, oh, don't don't hurt my. Don't you hurt my Alexa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So well, that's where I start to get worried. I, I wish the listeners could hear how hard I'm rolling my eyes right now. And just the. Uh, oh, God. I just. Fine. You can keep your opinion as long as you are coming around on Naya and eventually you'll see the light and everything will be fine and dandy. Uh, moving on, we're going to talk about the Intercontinental title picture, which this week we confirmed the WrestleMania match will be the Miz defending his Intercontinental belt against both Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. Now, coming out of the Elimination Chamber, we actually called this one and we were speculating why they wanted to start out with those three guys in particular, and I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure we called that that's what they were going to do with them. Was That was hinting at the triple threat Intercontinental yeah, Championship. It seemed right? pretty clear, and they did take a couple of weeks to confirm it, even though it seemed obvious last yeah. week with, with having both Finn and Seth uh, tag up, or team up on Miz one after the other uh, in matches. This, this definitely seemed like it was fated to happen, and it's also, not only is it the most logical thing, uh, it's the most exciting thing, I think. I think that these three guys could put on possibly a night-stealing match um plus you have uh, the additional miz is doing a great job we had the mizzies this week by the way we should we should state we had the annual mizzies where miz basically puts people over by burning them down in uh, his his awards presentation which was a ton of fun he burned down kurt he burned down fifth fifth and sen how about finn and seth there we go <laughs> uh caffeine everybody it's not just for kids <laughs> anymore uh but yeah so this this was this has all been built really well and miz is doing a great job of putting over how he's about to break Pedro Morales' all-time record with the IC belt, which we've been talking about almost as long as we've been doing this show, is how Miz is counting down the days until this. Well, now we're within 50 days. Like, it's not long. He's got to win at WrestleMania and retain in order to break the record, uh, which I personally I don't think he will do. I think he's going to get a, a, a record-tying reign with Jericho and then break it, but we'll see. Um, I think it could come down to it would be a lot of fun if they did it this way. I hope you guys are listening creative, but if they get him down to like one day left and then take it from him and then take it from him, and then they spend the rest of the year of him trying, <laughs> trying to, to and just back. keep it from him. That's good stuff. They could they could make a whole run out of that. That could be fun. There's lots of angles to this. The, the bottom line is now everyone has stakes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Obviously, Seth has stakes because that's I, I believe uh, his streak is on the line. He's got a WrestleMania streak going now too, so he's got to win this one to keep his streak alive. Finn needs to redeem himself for the Universal Championship, and Miz wants to break this record. So everyone's got stakes in this. This is going to be good. Uh, I like the tension they're building between Seth and Finn, where you know Finn keeps trying to one up Seth, and Seth's getting annoyed. And Finn is on this weird, psychotic, never stops grinning thing. Like I don't know who in the back told him, hey, Finn, you know that dark brooding thing you do? Stop it. Just start smiling all the time like you're a psychopath. And wear bright blue. And wear bright blue. It's, I, I don't, what the hell is up with that? <laughs> like, it's the weirdest character choice that they're giving him where they've literally told him to never stop smiling. Yeah. And it's a little creepy. I'm not going to lie. I will say I did feel a little bit of that, I guess, three, two years ago, three years ago. There was a lot of 
build to Finn and Seth for that first Universal Championship. Sure. And I, I felt that again this week. Can you talk about two guys who have charisma yeah. in the ring? Like, well, even they were just mean. standing next to each other on the ramp before they came yeah. down to the ring. It was I felt that. I'm, well, right. I'm shocked that you're so high on Seth considering his, his rate of injuring superstars and your, your thoughts on that. Well, he doesn't, just he doesn't outweigh them by 200 pounds. <laughs> no, he does not. But sometimes you don't need to outweigh people to injure them. Just ask, just ask Finn and Samoa Joe. Or John Cena. Or I guess Joe or in, uh, Joe injured Seth. I'm sorry. This injury is going all over the place, and none of them are related to Nia Jax. But anyway, John moving Cena's on. knows how he feels about Seth Rollins. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, he squashed <laughs> that thing flat. Oh, that's... That's up there with uh, with uh, Sid Vicious's leg for me in terms of like things I can't look at in in wrestling. Cesaro's teeth. Cesaro. Oh, Cesaro's teeth. Uh, uh, uh. Okay. Killian Dane's hair. Uh, anyway, moving on. His body hair. Uh, but no. So I'm I'm excited about this triple threat. I think it's a great idea. Um, I wish Finn would stop smiling and go back to like dewy eyed, stupid, sexy Finn. But that's just you know I think that's a better character for him. Uh, there would there is no a part necessary. of me that would have liked to have seen Finn and Seth fight this out for the opportunity for the number one contendership. I'm starting to We've get got a little four bit, weeks left, bro. We got well, you know. I, hear me out. I'm starting to get a little bit worn out on all the the triple threats and the four ways and the five ways and oh. the six packs and the group. Ma- I want some good old fashioned singles matches again, even handicap matches. Throw those at me. But I, I feel like everything we're getting now that has these stakes behind it is all of these big group matches, and they need that to build the tension around everything. It's starting to get a little long it's, for me. It's because the, the rosters are so huge. <sighs> you know, and we'll talk about more about the big matches when we get over on SmackDown and how they don't work all the time. Uh, but right now, we've got to talk about someone who's in one of those big matches, and that's John Cena. Back on Raw this week. Back on Raw this week, because apparently he's too scared to say these things on SmackDown because someone's going to get in the ring and try and mess with him. That literally was his excuse. Like, not only is he now making excuses for losing, he's making excuses for not wanting to give promos on a show because he's afraid someone's going to attack him. It's basically what he was saying. And he said it in a very John Cena way where he's like, I don't want anyone messing with me. You know, I have something to say. But it's still, at the end of the day, that's the logic that came across to me was I'm John Cena and I've got something to say about things on SmackDown, but I'm going to say them on Raw because I can because I don't want any of the guys who are in that match on SmackDown to come and interrupt me. What? And then as he's giving this, this strange speech, which, by the way, included some of the worst ideas I've heard in a long time, which where he said, oh, yeah, don't worry. I'm going to win the six-pack challenge over on SmackDown, become the, the, have, get my 17th reign, my record 17th reign, uh, as champion while telling the audience, by the way, deal with it because it's going to happen. And the audience booed him. Uh, he said, yeah, I'm going to get that belt, but don't worry. We're going to have this great big match between me, AJ and Shinsuke at WrestleMania. Cause AJ can just use his rematch clause and we can have this big match still. Don't worry guys. It's all good. And the audience booed him because that's a freaking terrible idea. Yes. And none of us want that, which is why they're probably going to do it, which it, well, I don't, I really hope they were. I think this might have been them testing the waters to see audience reaction because according to Stephanie, Vince does listen to the audience. <laughs> yeah. uh, but at any rate, this was all even more weird because it ended up with gold dust of all people coming to the ring and giving one of the worst promos of his career to John Cena talking about, you know, the typical gold dust promo, talking a lot of movie stuff and a lot of movie references, but just very slow and didn't really get anywhere. And then all of a sudden he's fighting John Cena and we have a match and then it's a bad match because they're really slow for some reason and they don't know what it's just a lot of posing and then it's over and John Cena wins and it was like, what the hell just happened? 
From the start to finish of that entire segment, my whole time I was just going, what the actual yeah. F is going on? I kept waiting for it to get good because I love me some gold dust. I was really happy to see him on TV. I was happy for him to get the rub of being in the ring with John Cena. I was hoping for Cena to make a good point, but this, aside from him, the usual Cena cadence and the yelling and everything, this, what he was actually saying, I mean, if you, if you didn't know English, it would have sounded good. But once you understand the words that are coming out of his mouth, you're sitting there during Cena's promo going, no, what? No. What are you? What? Goldust comes out. You're like, what are you? No, I don't. What? No, I can't understand what you're saying, Goldust. And then they have a match and you're, you're sitting there going, what is going on? Yeah. What are you two doing? Is this real life? Is this, is this just fantasy? I, I'm caught in a landslide. There's no escape from this reality. <laughs> oh. With Corey with the Megadeth metaphors and you now with the uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, who knows what we're going to go. Well, speaking of those Megadeth metaphors, we did have a Symphony of Destruction match between yes. Braun Strowman and Elias, which Elias once again tried to weasel out of by telling Kurt he didn't want to do it and then pretending to get in the ring when instead he ran to the back and got in the car, which he couldn't escape in because Braun was behind him holding up the rear wheels of the car this was a lot of fun. And yeah. then they escaped back inside and the match truly began. The, the Falls Count Anywhere match with musical equipment strewn all over the place started. Uh, you're the brawn, Mark. You tell me your thoughts. Uh, I thought the setup for all of this was a little bit silly. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's gotten to that point now where, okay, we smashed a guitar the first time and now we came back and we, as Michael Cole calls it, smashed a bass guitar over... Uh, Elias is back. If he calls it bass guitar one more time, I'm going to lose my shit. It's not a bass guitar. Uh, but now we add a piano, a drum set, and an array of guitars to this all up on the ramp. None of them anywhere near the ring, which was interesting. And uh, did they ever actually go into the ring? No, uh, because they said, ladies and gentlemen, Elias, the, it went dark, and that's when he ran they out. They were in the ring for a brief bit once they got back in, and then they went up the ramp and got to the, the equipment. So they, Braun it, kicks a leg out from under, a, throws him under the p grand piano, lifts it up, kicks the leg out from under it, and drops, uh, quote-unquote, drops the piano on Elias, and that was kind of it. I mean, if I was going to summarize this match, I would say that it was a take-no-prisoners match, and Elias tried to win by the skin of his teeth, but he found out the hard way that Braun is built for war and he's addicted to chaos. Now, once Braun finally got Elias in this match, it was basically a countdown to extinction because Braun basically took a take-no-prisoners approach and Elias realized that there are basically more than 99 ways to die to Braun's architecture of aggression. Now, he's unleashing the mus musical equipment up there like the piano and the, and the bass guitar, sorry, the, the stand-up bass, and he was basically using them to crush him like a tornado of souls. And Braun committed what amounted to a late-term euthanasia on Elias, who will wake up dead if he ever wakes up at all. And at the end game, it's safe to say that Elias was left to rust in peace. And this symphony of, dest of destruction match. Yeah. <clears throat> you could say he's addicted to chaos, you know? I, I just did. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for reiterating. I, I, I tried to sneak Corey. one in, too. I didn't realize you it's okay, Corey Graves. did that one already. Yeah, I may Corey, have, eat I that, have, Corey. I may have listened to a Megadeth album once or twice in my life. Uh, here's my question. Did Dave Mustaine get any royalties for this match? No, and they're not going to for off of this either. And you, We might actually not get onto Spotify now because you did put that on there. Yeah, so. well, it, it, <laughs> in all seriousness, though, this is they're, they're circling the airport here because 
out of kayfabe here, we're we're still up in the air as far as Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar are oh, concerned yes. for the main I event. I think this is a bit. We need to make a big point about this. Yeah, this this is something I really wanted to point out. In all seriousness, is that Roman Reigns is currently they're they're worried that he's going to get popped for steroid use because there's this guy who apparently has information that shows that Roman Reigns got steroids from him, even though he's been continuously threatening to release this information and hasn't. Uh, and then we also have worries about Brock Lesnar's contract situation and if Brock Lesnar will play ball. So on both sides of their main event, they're still worried something's going to fall through. Braun Strowman is their is their fallback plan. And that's why they're not putting him in an actual program right now and figuring out where he's going to be on the card. Uh, and they may even end up putting him in like a gimmick position in WrestleMania where he's not, he's not even have a match. It's just he breaks something or destroys yeah. something somewhere, you know? Yep. So that may be the plan right there is just to keep Braun in reserve in case one of their big boys in their main event falls through. Well, let's play out worst case scenario where, well, just subjective depending on your viewpoint, but uh, Brock does no show and, and just gives the finger to WWE and Roman does get busted for steroids in the next month. What happens then is Braun? You just do you just vacate the title? Does do you have? Some I would say you of- probably yeah. You vacate the title and you scramble a whole bunch of people to have a battle royale for the title or something like that, and have Braun win it. Have the arm bar be for the Universal Championship? I don't know. You know, we we talked about this the last couple of weeks, and it's just let's get this. We we need to rip this bandaid off and get past Brock. That's really what this comes down. Well, to. we need. And to- I don't care whether it's Roman, whether it's Braun, or whoever. Get the title back on TV. We've got to get past Brock. It's true, and there was a segment on this on this raw where paul Heyman came out and we had the the brock lesnar match hype segment uh where paul Heyman gets to come out and act all tough and curse on live tv uh and say bullshit congratulations paul you're very edgy yeah um you know this and the promo did kind of work for me where some of the points he was making where he was it was kind of another one of his classic near shoot promos where you're like "Ooh, is paul going off script here um but it just went on a little bit too long and it was a little muddled as far and as some of his points. Repetitive, muddled as far as some of his points. Um, but I think it would have worked. I think it would have worked to hype me up, much like Roman's promo did last week. The problem is they sent Roman out at the end, and Roman just blew everything here because he, he went back to being smarmy, not really passionate. You couldn't really feel his emotion, Roman. And... Paul was selling him like he was scared of him. Even after all of his talk, he, he was just having about uh, Roman being Brock's bitch and, and all this. And, you know, the Roman not understanding what it is to hold the belt and all yeah. this stuff. Uh, yeah, this whole segment to me, the tone was off. The, the meaning was off. It, it didn't work. It did not work. And last week we were really high on Roman's work building this match. They just they, they undid a lot of that for me with this segment. And the problem is, is that, as you said, the problem is more with Brock at this point. Um, If you have the belt on Roman and he is wearing it day in, day out, which has become part of this, the angle for this feud is that Brock is pretending like he's a legit champ when he's not around with the belt all the time. And Paul's trying to make excuses for that. Um, But, you know, his excuse was, well, hey, people still said the Undertaker was the Undertaker and he wrestled one match a year. You know, and it's like, well, yes, but that's apples and oranges. Yes, that's that's apples and pig's feet, frankly. <laughs> um, but the, the the fact of the matter is, is they're going to have to work really uphill to make this match exciting for anyone who's not a completely casual fan. Now, granted, WrestleMania is their casual fan pay-per-view of the year, but they're going to have a lot of hardcore people in that crowd 
as you can tell from the last few years of WrestleManias, I would say the last few decades, where you've got hardcore fans who will be way louder than your casuals and blow up certain matches uh, depending on how they feel. Yeah, I'm one of them. Yeah, I mean, the hard, you think the Hardy's response last year was just from casual fans? No, it's people who were following them Been in their for 20 years. expedition yeah. of gold, yeah. you know, and Even everything else. That. Yeah. I mean, you had people who remember them from the Attitude Era and then people who remember their... their Legendary ladder matches their, with but Edge But their Christian, current yeah. reincarnation, which is what got people so hyped about them. Yeah. That was why everyone was so passionate. So, yeah, they've got to work uphill for this this Brock Lesnar match because everyone's kind of sick of his shit. If I'm completely honest, and I think I've, I've been saying this for a couple of months now, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm already over it. I, I, I just... I'm long in the tooth of, of Heyman and Brock. Yep. Just, I'm, I'm ready for it to be over with. I am too. And if that means putting the title on Roman, then so be it. Sure. I'm just going to, it's like, okay, fine. And then let's move on for God's sake. Let's move on. We've, we've tried to do this experiment for too long. It's taken a whole freaking year to get here. And it was just, it was too long. Yeah. We're sick of it. Um, something else I'm sick of is the fact that we just can't get any traction on any tag team on Monday Night Raw besides the bar. And this week, the bar beat the revival pretty handily and then afterwards they were sitting they, they gave an interview and they're like who's left who we who's left who we got nobody we beat everybody we're the bar and i'm with them like what are they gonna have to call someone up from nxt to to face them at wrestlemania are they gonna have a match at wrestlemania probably what, not at what? this point yeah are you gonna have are you gonna have your raw tag champs part of the arm bar well let's remember mania has it'll have a two-hour pre-show Right and the, or at least ninety minutes. So there's pot which we'll won't be on two. which won't be on the DVDs. By the way, really? Uh, this is this was the whole thing Austin Aries had an issue with and Neville was they had their cruiserweight match at the on the pre-show of that WrestleMania of last WrestleMania. I didn't know this, and they didn't get royalties from it because they weren't on the WrestleMania DVD. What? Yeah, that was part of the whole issue that they had. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's news to me. Okay, well, I don't know who we're gonna have at least two. Uh, pre-show matches this year. Yep. Uh, or at least for Mania. I, I I can't see anywhere on the card that it, there's room for a tag match. And maybe that's the point. Maybe they're doing this intentionally so they don't... That's a slot they don't have to fill on the card. The only thing I could think is if, you know, they just don't have them at WrestleMania at all, which would be really... I would feel bad for Sheamus and Cesaro, especially given the fact that, we've, as we've said, Sheamus' back is messed up. We don't know how much longer he has left. Yeah. It'd be nice to give him one more WrestleMania. Um, it would be cool if either they have, you know, a tag team like, like they did last year with all the tag teams coming in and having a match, a ladder match, whatever. Doing that again, I, I think it'd be, it would suck to have, have to repeat that. But at the same time, I don't see what other options they have. Yeah. Um, or have them issue an open challenge at WrestleMania, call up one of the NXT teams, say, for instance, Authors of Pain, which we've been calling for a long time as being ready to go um, and then have a good match with them. I, I, you know, I think that authors of pain coming up and beating the bar at WrestleMania would be really freaking cool. I just don't understand why they're not, why they constantly push the bar, but we're not seeing the same kind of effort put into the revival or into the good brothers or in, cause they're the talent is there. Exactly. But and the, the time's not being made for them to, to, to showcase. Well, that you're not getting the impression that all the tag teams are on the same level. They're trying to build up the bar as being at this point. It's pretty established. They're building up the bar to be completely out of the league of everyone else in the tag division. And the unfortunate thing there is that no one else in the tag division seems legitimate, which sucks because they all 
Could be. You could easily have the Good Brothers be a monster tag team. Yep. You could easily have Heath and Rhino pull the stuff that they did back on SmackDown where Heath was basically the, the damaged sponge and Rhino came in and murdered people with the gore. You could easily have uh, the Revival. The Revival were brilliant in NXT. Yep. Now they're using their, their old school tag psychology to win matches. Even Titus Worldwide could be a legitimate tag team. They just are not taking the time to build them up as legitimate threats. And so now you're left with this horrible booking that puts you, that you've booked yourself into a corner where you only have one tag team that anyone takes seriously. And the only team that ever could face up to them was the shield. And, and obviously that fell through because of injuries and sickness and everything else. So yeah, they're, they're in a bit of a pickle here and I don't know how they're going to get out of it. Well, speaking of tag teams, uh, well, at least one half of the tag team, uh, we've got Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt finally going to the compound. That's what we were talking about. Yep. Yeah. So, they, they have filmed Ultimate Deletion this week on Monday Night Raw. They they uh, they teased that they were going to have it. Uh, Bray murdered Rhino, which was, uh, we were just talking about the tag division. Yeah. He murdered Rhino. Some very good um, physicality from Bray here. I liked how he, you know, how he beat him and then scared off Heath Slater with just, this was not him. on the Hulu edition, by the way. Uh, well, you didn't, I, I, you didn't miss much. It was basically Bray beating Rhino and then Matt Hardy comes up and challenges Bray to final deletion okay. or ultimate deletion. Uh, so yeah. So looking, looking like we'll get, like we said, maybe we'll see it at WrestleMania, maybe before, hopefully after. You know what was noticeably absent from this episode was, uh, other than Nia and Asuka, was some time in the women's division. Did we have anything else that wasn't on the Hulu version that I might have missed? Uh, yes, they had Paige give a promo, uh, and then Bailey and Sasha had a little bit of tension where Bailey wouldn't hug Sasha. So again, uh -huh. I know. Uh, so again, this it's kind of a, a holding pattern still. I think we're going to wait until the final few weeks before WrestleMania to really get this Bailey Sasha program going. Uh, as far as if they'll actually end up in a match at WrestleMania, what the stakes will be, um, and where on the show it will be, will remain to be seen. I, I I really hope though that they do a good build on it because that could be another match that steals the show. Yeah, could be really good. Well, hey guys, that's it for Monday Night Raw. Let's head over and find out what went down. Oh God, on SmackDown Live. Brace yourself. Coming to you from the cheesy heart of Green Bay, Wisconsin, probably one of the more obnoxious crowds I've heard in recent memory. Uh, yeah, this was the go-home show for Fastlane, and I, I will openly admit this show was painful to watch at some times, and I fell asleep during the main event twice. Yeah. Uh, I had to rewatch it a few times in order to, to get it all, um, and... I feel bad admitting that because by all means, I should have been invested. The ironic thing was the main event started off as being AJ versus Dolph Ziggler. And then because of interference from Kevin Owens and Sammy turned into what was originally the main event of Fastlane, which was a fatal five way uh, with Dolph Ziggler, AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Sammy Zayn and Baron Corbin. Thanks to Shane McMahon coming in and, and making it. So um, here, okay. A couple different aspects we'll, we'll, we'll deal with here. One, uh, AJ had a, had a pretty decent promo to start this whole thing off where despite the heckling from the shitty crowd, uh, he came across actually sounding like a fighting champ. Um, by contrast, John Cena, who was not present, came across looking as like an opportunistic little girl. Yeah. I, I, I did not like how their, their positioning 
uh, John Cena and AJ, other than if they're really going to try and push this John, like new aspect of John Cena, where he's kind of opportunistic and 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 isn't is just has his eyes focused on WrestleMania and really nothing else. Um, and and I like the fact that AJ was positioning Cena here as kind of being a spoiler for what he considered his dream match, which was Nakamura and him at WrestleMania. Um, so I liked that. I liked the fact that the audience was booing the idea of Cena being involved in the WrestleMania match harder than they were on Monday, by the way. Um, and then once we get to the actual fatal five way, the thing that falls apart for me is the fact that up until this point on the show, we've had Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and backstage segments reestablishing that they're buddies and that Sami Zayn will lay down for Kevin Owens at fast lane and allow him to pick up the win and the title. Sami Zayn comes across as looking like a complete idiot, though, because at the end of the fatal five-way match, he haluva kicks Kevin Owens and pins him, thereby taking away any possible element of surprise he could have if he was going to betray Kevin at Fastlane. What? Yep. What? What? What's? What was the? What was the? Okay, let's start with this. What was the point in giving away a fatal five-way here, which, frankly, in my opinion, didn't hype up the match on Sunday at all because you're missing the key element that makes everyone scared, which is John Cena, one. And then two, what's the point in taking away the only other piece of interest, which was when will Sammy betray Kevin? True. What was the point? That should have been the surprise thing that happened during the match. Right. You should have had a whole bunch of different elements that came to a head or a conclusion in this match, whether it's John Cena and however he happens to win and or lose this match, one, and two, the payoff for Kevin and Sammy uh, and their friendship breakup. But no, now we had it on this show. What What are you thinking? It's a disaster over on SmackDown Live right now, and I think a lot of thi- there are a lot of little things that I'm that I like. I loved Ziggler's promo this week. I thought it was fantastic yes. when he came. I still can't understand his music, entrance music, what they're doing with that's the record still, scratch. Still, yeah, they still, still hadn't clocked onto that yet. Still but, bad. But I loved his interaction with AJ in the promo. That he's come a long way in a better part of a year now to what he was doing last year. Right. He's he's solidified. I think his his position like it, he's he's clarified his character more yeah and i think that he and aj actually have good chemistry in terms of their characters this is the house that aj styles built well i've been he'll be here building it for 10 years just so you could walk in the door buddy yeah i love shit like that and I, then they had a good match before it became a fatal five way the two and of them then i got great pissed the minute <laughs> they were having a fantastic match right really really good match and then here come kevin and sammy <sighs> <laughs> i think you were supposed to get pissed but whether or not that's the point, uh, it's still, it was not a good idea. Even like in, in kayfabe, I think they were supposed to piss you off. The problem is, is outside of kayfabe, it's still like, ah, you interrupted a good match. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I almost would have been more hyped for the, the, the six pack challenge because just because of like, Ooh, is there now some storyline between Dolph and AJ? If you just continued this match? Well, we, I agreed, and the the point I was going to make there is that last week Cena beat AJ to get in. If you'd have had Ziggler go over AJ this week, oh my God, it looks like AJ's really vulnerable. Now well, you've got two guys that in the past month have beaten him. You would have more because Kevin and Sammy have also beaten him recently. Agreed. So that, what? why did we have the interruption here? I would have liked to have seen all of that. It would have made AJ winning, quote-unquote, at Fastlane, I, that much more substantial. I would agree with you if Dolph were to win with like a cheese, a cheap move or sure. some, something where he did not win clean. Cena won clean. And AJ does not need another loss 
at this point, he does look like a weak champ who can't stand up to people, like unless you have it be a really cheap victory. But I agree that would have been a better idea just to have some more intrigue as to, you know, and scare you more and make you think Cena, Cena might, might do this. They might pull the trigger on that, which let's be clear. If they do pull the trigger on Cena getting his number 17 at this fast lane before this WrestleMania and the match that they have promised us with Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles, they're insane. They're insane if they do that. It's That's going to be one of the most head-scratching booking decisions that I can remember if they do that. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> take, take a breath. Take a breath. All right, moving on to other yes. things that I didn't even want to think about. Uh, Ruby Riot and Charlotte kicked off SmackDown Live. Uh, this, this, is, this is how we knew what to expect on the SmackDown Live. This show kicked off with a Ruby Riot Charlotte Flair promo off in the middle of the ring, and it was just as uncomfortable and cringy as you'd expect. Yeah. Uh, Ruby basically saying, yeah, I created the Riot Squad because I want to destroy the myth that is Charlotte Flair, even though I can't really define that clearly. Right. And Charlotte going, I've had to work harder than everybody else because of my name. Okay, great. I don't care about this feud. I don't care about this match. Stop. And, and, and it even ended awkwardly where right as they were about to get into it, all of a sudden Bobby Roode's music hits. Charlotte Flair grins like like the love of her life is coming Why? down the ring. Exactly, and holding her heart. What the, well, that's what the, the hell is that all about? The call back to the mixed, mixed match challenge where they're a team and they love each other. It's fine. fine. I didn't mind it. But what was weird is Bobby wasn't there to save the day. He was there to go on commentary for a match between Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal. It's still 2017, what? kids. It's still summer 2017, and we're still like in shocked silence at the fact that they're actually booking matches between Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton again after the stinkers that we've had in the past from them. That, that's how bad the state of things on SmackDown Live are. You've tied up all of your top card into one thing. Oh, my and Lord. And now you're having to have mid-card matches of Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton. Now, before I completely <laughs> defecate all over this, I will say that this, like stirring the pot in this way, where you have Randy throw Jinder into to Bobby Roode, and then there's all kinds of shenaniganry and Bobby gets knocked off the ring apron and Randy gets distracted and Mahal wins. All of this is good because it looks like we're heading towards a triple threat for the U S title at WrestleMania. Fine. This is a way better build than the stupid stuff they were doing with that freaking top 10 list and gender trying to stir the pot by, by being like, well, Bobby thinks that that Randy deserves to be at number nine or whatever high school crap they were trying to write for the, this is better. This is old school booking where you've got a match. You have the champion at ringside. The match spills over onto the champion. And now you have heat between all three guys. Great. Yeah, that works. Classic. It I love worked. It. it wasn't exciting. I'm not excited about Jinder Mahal and Randy fighting again. But at least the, there was more of a build for this overall program. You think they'll be able to pull off a Punjabi prison match at Mania? Stop it. Okay. You stop it. You shut your whore mouth right now. <laughs> Before great colleague comes out and chokes somebody, ah, whatever. Oh, I don't even boy. want to think about that. Uh, Orton and gender again. I just can't make any sense of it. No, I, mean, I, just, I think I, if you have the three-way program and everyone just shuts their mouth and we just have some physicality between them, I'm fine with it on paper. It, it's fine. It's a bunch where's of. Where's everybody else? I don't know. Where? Where's? Where's Ty Dillinger? Yeah. The I, other I guys that you would think would be perfect for the U.S. title picture. Where's where Mojo they? Raleigh? For, for where they just were building him. I, I, th I know Sin Cara, I think, is still injured. 
I'd rather see Sin Cara <laughs> fighting Bobby Roode. I know, for the that's US why title. I brought him up. But whatever. This, this is our U.S. title picture right now. And uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Where's Rusev? Well, oh, God. Well, let's, let's jump ahead and talk about Rusev because here's another thing I'm pissed off about. All right, so we had a new match made for Fastlane tonight, a match between Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. And this is all because last week we had a match where Shinsuke Nakamura uh, kicked Aiden English in the throat, so now apparently Aiden can't sing, oh. and he has broken Rusev's beautiful Aiden. Uh, th- there was a backstage promo. I did have a moment, admittedly. There, I'm I, sure you did. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure your heartstrings were tugged. Yes. Uh, much like they mine were, were by, I had Naya's tears. You had you had Aiden's silence. Aiden's vocal cords. Yes. <laughs> um, there was a backstage segment that admittedly was very entertaining because everyone in this is very entertaining. You had Aiden uh, clutching his throat and Rusev being like, why have you broken my beautiful Aiden? <laughs> and, and Nakamura singing himself off to the tune of Nakamura, dear, which was very entertaining as well. Uh, and then Until Rusev, you stop and think about it. Well, but then Rusev comes back with, you can't just make up your own holidays. This was fun. Here's the problem. You're putting two... Nakamura has had an issue with being over ever since they cooled him down with that awful Dolph Ziggler feud and then losing to Jinder Mahal. He's over. People like him, but he's not white hot the way he was at the beginning of 2017. Uh, they've cooled him way down. People are starting to be on the fence about him. People are starting to get sick of him. Rusev is massively over. Massive, the Rusev Day thing is massively over. So what do they do? They book him as a heel against another guy who's having trouble getting over, who they need to have over for WrestleMania because he's in one of the biggest matches. This booking makes no logical sense. Why do you not steer the ship into how over Rusev Day is, make Rusev a face, or at least a funny heel, which is which is is kind of what he is here. But the problem is, if you put him against a guy like Nakamura, you're, the audience is going to be confused about who to cheer for. You're be cheering for both people, and no one's going to make out well because of it. This is this is mind boggling how they're screwing this up, and it reminds me a little bit of the the um, Zach Ryder when he got himself over on his on social media. And then WWE buried him because they didn't want him getting over in a way that they didn't create. Is there a pattern here? Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. They don't. So if they don't create it, they don't want it to happen. I mean, they're making money off of all the Rusev Day merch of right course. now, but they're also they're not capitalizing on this organic character thing that they've got here. You could be like, imagine if Stone Cold Steve Austin gave his 316 promo and they put out all the 316 shirts, but then they prevented him from ever saying it, like from ever really having any big matches and he kept losing after that. That's basically what they're doing here. Instead of letting him win the Rumbles and letting him be an ass kicker, if they go, that's a great line, Steve, we're going to make some money off those shirts, but you're going to lose all your next 10 matches and you're not going to be on TV. (laughs) That's what they're doing. And it's crazy. It's crazy to me. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking here. Uh, Continuing along the thoughts of not really knowing what they're thinking. uh, We had a match with Becky facing off against Carmella, which I, why? Why? What? We needed to fill time on Fastlane. We needed another women's match. And this apparently somehow created a tag match between uh, Becky and Naomi uh, versus Carmella and Natalia uh, because of some Twitter feuds and some more high school kerfuffle with the women. I don't know. This, this is a meaningless match that 
has no reason to exist other than they got to fill time and none of these women have any WrestleMania program yet. Uh, I, this came out of nowhere and it, it is, uh, yeah, it's just more mind-boggling booking. Well, there is one part I want to talk about this. As we go into, we're, we're going to do, here in a minute, we're going to do our picks for Fastlane and then w- within, I think it's four weeks now, we've got WrestleMania coming up. Carmella has not cashed in her contract yet. No, she has not. We're kind of in the last month to two months of her holding that contract does it expire at the next Money in the Bank? Yes, if she doesn't cash in, but cash in by the next Money in the Bank, which I believe is in June, June this yeah. year, yeah. Uh, if she doesn't cash in by then, then it go it it she it gets rescinded and she it goes on to the next person. She has to put her briefcase up for uh, being being taken, so she could rewin it. Interesting, but okay. yeah, uh, not that that's ever happened, but I'm pretty sure that's how they would book it. The bottom line is is if as we've speculated over and over on this show, as it's being speculated online, it the best possible option here is charlotte versus oscar um and then oscar wins carmella cashes in and beats a uh beaten up oscar to break the streak and take the title all in one and give oscar and charlotte something to chase uh and it just it just kills a whole bunch of birds with one stone that would be the most elegant way to do it now what's scary is if wwe feels like too many people have cottoned on to that they might not do it but as we've said before Sometimes the most predictable outcome is just the best outcome in terms of storytelling. And if you execute it well, we'll still be into it. You don't have to surprise us all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you probably will still surprise a lot of people with that swerve. I mean, I can totally see her doing something at Fastlane uh, this weekend. So I'm not, I'm not completely sold that it's ha- going to happen at WrestleMania. It wouldn't make a lot of sense no, to throw that Car- opportunity away Car- for a WrestleMania moment. She would have to lose it back to Charlotte by WrestleMania, and that leaves Carmella looking like a joke. Well, fine. but It's, it's like makes her the, the, almost the female Baron Corbin <laughs> at this point, you know? Or, or uh, who was it who lost, who like won it and then lost it the next night? Was it uh, wasn't Del Rio? I'm trying to remember who it was. He, the, who won the won the uh, the title, cashed in, and then lost it the next night. Was it Sheamus? Uh, no, no, I don't think I don't think it was Sheamus. I, I don't know. Well, I'll go look it up. But yeah. the bottom line is is that yeah, I don't know. This, this tag match at, at Fastlane is just they're just throwing this out there to just get the women out there and have another match, pad this show, which really doesn't have a whole lot going on. One of the other things it does have going on is what is going to be another fantastic tag match. This is, this is the bright spot. The Usos versus the New Day. And the only thing that we had from them this week was a video package. Of the, the same shit we got last week. They had the go-home segment for the best match on their card at Fastlane last week. Not even on their go-home show. And here's a VHS of it from, from last week that you can watch again this week to remind you of how awesome Sunday's going to be. And to be fair, it was a sick video package, but it was basically just the speech from last week with some audio effects. But it was still... The, their their promo off last week was sick. Yeah, it was. I, it hyped, hyped me through the roof for it. They didn't need a segment this week. But it's weird that they did the segment last week and had a video package this week. And there was nothing else on this show this week that made me excited for Sunday at all. No. Uh, that's a great... I'm, I, I don't know. As we go into our picks here, I don't know that there's anything on this card that I'm genuinely excited about. Yeah. And, and, and it's not like any of the other promo stuff that they had for it got me excited either. Corbin had a promo, one of those selfie promos they're doing now, uh. with the freaking graphics on the screen again, putting like words when he says them up on the screen, like the little, the little uh, after effects whatever the hell they're doing now. Like it was even in, in uh, Natty's backstage thing where they were supposedly talking off the cuff uh, and they had the things popping up there. What are you doing? 
These graphics are freaking terrible. I, I, I'm, this is crazy, Nick. Two months ago, every show, you can go back and listen to our podcast. We were really high on SmackDown Live. Yep. We thought they were killing it. We thought they were underrated. And in two months' time, we have gone from thinking that SmackDown is underrated and has a lot of good stuff going on to utterly shitting on this show. And it was, it was painful to watch this week. It still is. Yeah. This week is painful to watch. I, I don't know what the heck happened. Well, speaking of pulling Band-Aids off, let's, let's go through our picks, man. All let's, right. Let's, we, we have to do this. It's not like we're excited <laughs> about it this time. It's a chore, right? So I, as I was saying earlier, are we going to see a pre-show match with any of the guys that we haven't heard from or seen in months? I don't know. I mean, there's room for it. We've only got six matches that I know of on this card. Uh, so it's possible we see like, you know, the Bludgeon Brothers crush another pair of jobbers or, you know, we maybe we see Mojo or Ty show up. I don't know. Where, well, where are the fashion files? That's maybe Where's Bre- everything that makes Brizango amazing. Brizango or Ascension will show up to get killed by the Bludgeon Brothers again. I don't know if there is a pre-show match that we don't anticipate. Well, obviously, we'll make our picks before we do our recap episode right. next week. But these are the these are the, the matches we know are happening. We have the women's tag match, uh, Natalia and Carmella versus Becky and Naomi. Who do you have in this one? Couldn't give a shit. <laughs> you have to give a shit, Nick. Uh, You're a professional. Now, man up, take your medicine, suck down your pedia heavy, and let's do this. Natty and Carmella. Atta boy. See, that wasn't so hard, was it? I'll go for Becky and Naomi because I really, I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a coin flip. The only, the only reason I pick Natty and Carmella is I think they want to give Carmella a little bit of a rub heading into Romania because she's probably going to cash in. See, whereas I, I think that they're going to keep the faces looking strong here. But uh, yeah, like you said, I don't think there's really any stakes either way. Those two have become kind of useless, honestly. Mm. So. so we also have, as we said, uh, inexplicably, we have the Shinsuke Nakamura versus Rusev match. Uh, who do you have in this one? Uh, it's hard to not pick either one of these. Again, it's kind of a coin flip, but I, I think people have kind of maybe forgotten about Nakamura. I, I want to see Nakamura win heading into Mania because he won the Royal Rumble, in case you've forgotten about it already. But I think Rusev's going to win here. Really? I think Rusev's going to win here. Wow. See, I would say there's not a coin flip here at all. I would say they absolutely have to have Nakamura win here uh, in order to get him heated up for WrestleMania. But I th- again, I think that is a terrible idea to have either of these guys lose. Agreed. Right? You can't have Rusev lose because then people get pissed because they're burying Rusev Day. You can't have Nakamura lose because he's got to get hot for WrestleMania. They've, I don't understand what they're doing here. They've booked themselves into a really bad corner here. But I'm going to pick Nakamura just because I think that it's more important to get your main event heated up yeah. for WrestleMania. Well, next we talk about the women's championship match, which is Charlotte Flair facing off against Ruby Riot. Who you got? I'm going to have to pick Charlotte. I don't see, think there's any way they're taking that belt off of her before WrestleMania. Uh, I'm going to agree with you on Charlotte. The, uh, you know, the only thing that I could think of here was that they have Ruby somehow get, get one over on her and Carmella immediately cashes in. If they do that crazy thing at Fastlane instead of at Mania, that will be out of left field surprising. But uh, yeah. Can you see it happening? Are you going to put a bet on that? No. Okay. I Charl- don't think Charlotte's so. Gonna Charlotte's, Charlotte's going to win. Charlotte's going to win the match. Charlotte's going to win the match, and that's it. That's, that's it. Yeah. Uh, moving over to the tag division, we've got the Usos versus the New Day. Who do you have in this one? Um, I think if they really want to start this program up again, which is feels like that exactly what they're doing because they've run out of other ideas, they got to put them on the New Day. 
I think the New Day need to take them off the Usos here if they really want to keep this alive and make it a big thing at uh, at Mania. So I'm going to have the New Day going over the Usos here just at just because. You know, and here's the thing. For me, I can see an argument for both ways. You can keep it on the Usos to keep them strong and have them have a singles match against, or a, a single team match against the Bludgeon Brothers at Mania. Or you put it on the New Day and you've got a three-way at WrestleMania where you've got the New Days, the Usos, and the Bludgeon Brothers. Um so I could see an argument either way. For the sake of argument, I will pick the Usos here uh, just to keep things interesting um, I, because I th- somehow I think they're going to have it be a singles match and the brothers are going to murder the Usos yeah. and uh, be the champs for a while yeah. and everyone else is going to chase. But that being said, if they put them on the New Day, it would be exciting too. I like these teams trading off. I do like that a lot. Well, otherwise you run into the situation you've got on Raw with the bar. Exactly. You're eliminating everybody else. Exactly. You, you're making everyone else look less than. And yeah. I... I so, yes, if I am wrong here, it will be one of those where I'm happily wrong. Yeah. Over on the U.S. title, uh, <laughs> Bobby Roode facing off against Randy Orton, old old reliable. Oh, man. Ian, who you got here? You know, I, I could. this is another one I could see going either way. If it's a straight-up fight, Bobby Roode takes it. Uh, if uh, Mahal gets involved, which I think is possible, uh, Randy could sneak out a win and then uh, you'd have both Mahal and Rude chasing Randy into WrestleMania. Uh, so I could see that go either way there. I'm going to take Bobby Rude just because I think there's more. I don't think they should take it off of him yet. I think that he needs a longer, more establishing run with this belt uh, and that Orton and Mahal. If anything, Mahal will get involved and cost Orton the match and then hopefully the two of them will chase Rude into WrestleMania. I'm going to take a long flyer here and go uh, Randy Orton because they have constantly been putting over the last couple of weeks that it's the only belt he's never had uh, on commentary. And I think they're going to, they want to they tick that box off. I think they'll take it at WrestleMania if they do it, to be honest. Really? With you. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll take a shot here at Orton. Yeah, I, I think it's good. I, uh, this is one of those, uh, one of those shows we seem to disagree a lot. So it's going to be an interesting one to, to do in our recap. But at show. the end of the day, it's like, ah, oh, well, <laughs> It's unfortunate. We have uh, another match, the big one, the six-pack challenge. Now, all year long, all year long, Nick, you've been saying Cena gets number 17. Cena has a match at WrestleMania for the championship. Are you finally going to back up all of that rhetoric and pick your boy Cena in this match? Huh? Yes. You are? Yes. boy. Cena gets his 17th at Fastlane. All right. Yeah, that's. Uh, th- uh, thank you for being a man that sticks to his guns. Otherwise, what would be the point of everything that they've been doing on both shows for the last two weeks? Uh, to swerve us, and to that's why us? I am picking. Sure. I am a uh, picking AJ. I am confident <laughs> it will stay on AJ. Cena will not get seventeen at Fastlane. I am not only saying this because that's my personal feeling. Like that thing, that's what they'll do. But because they would be absolutely freaking insane to put it on Cena at Fastlane and make it a triple threat at WrestleMania, AJ Cena and Nakamura. They would be out of their minds. And I, I, I will, my head will explode if they do that. So I just can't imagine they give Cena his 17th at anything but WrestleMania, but it doesn't look like there's a path to do that without otherwise winning it here. Yeah, and I don't think that they will and either way, which I've been saying all year. But if but that being said, if Cena wins this and you guys hear a loud pop coming from the direction of LA, that's my head exploding. <laughs> oh, okay. So I just I I took a bunch of flyers here. I we'll see what happens. A lot of gut feeling shots, but 
Yeah, <laughs> and I have to ride that Cena horse off the edge of the canyon. Yes, too, but so. much like sports betting, sometimes you need to bet to keep the game interesting. So that's where we're at with this pay-per-view this weekend. Uh, we will have a recap show, hopefully a very excited one, where, we, where our expectations were, were met and exceeded. But uh, we will see, and we'll have that out for you early next week. In the meantime, we got to head over and talk about some noteworthy notes. Well, first up in the noteworthy notes, we are heading over to NXT, where we have yet another tournament going on. The Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic is, is underway. We had the first round featuring TM61 against AOP. Yeah, this was this was a rematch of the finals of the I believe the last Dusty Classic. This was the uh, the I think uh, it was 2 years ago. Was it 2 years ago? Yeah, we didn't uh, have one last year if I remember. I right. don't know where I've been. Yeah. I, <laughs> I I don't know what time it is, Nick. Uh yeah, this was a rematch of the the finish and it went about the same way. I th- actually thought TM61 were going to pick this up to revenge their defeat last time, but there may be a longer storyline at play here. Uh, AOP did pick up the win again, and I am not mad at that because that means next week they face the the winners of uh, either Heavy Machinery or the Street Profits. Yep. And I think we can both hope that Heavy Machinery wins that and we get a big hoss match yes. between AOP and Heavy Machinery. Stakes and weights. Stakes and weights. We did have a Heavy Machinery promo this week where they're they're doing the weights and talking about stakes, about how they're nice aged beef now. <laughs> That's good stuff. I love it. I love it. Uh, Bianca Belair came out as well and didn't use her hair whip to That's good. kill a... Well, okay, I'm interested to hear that. Yeah, no, why, I, not, why not use your gimmick? No, because don't, over, don't overdo it. It okay. should be something that, get, that comes out for special occasions, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an event when it happens, and it's impressive when it happens, but if you do it too much, people get sick of it. Yeah. So, and that's something that they need to learn in the main roster, yeah. is you, know, don't, you don't bring it out. Every time you have a match. And this was just another squashing a jobber match. No need to bring out the hair. Yep. She does a bunch of strength moves that are very impressive. Repeated suplexes, repeated electric chair position. Yeah, it's fine. It's all we needed. It was a, it was a good squash match. Yeah. Reminds you, Bianca Belair is there. She's a killer. Uh, she's not in the title picture yet, but she could easily be put there overnight. Yeah, I think we've got a couple of steps to get through. Uh, but yeah, she's going to be right there at the top of that. Speaking of which, uh, we had Lacey Evans call out Dakota Kai in a backstage interview right as Shayna Baszler stepped in and interrupted. And called out Ember Moon. Called Again, out Ember so Moon. I thought this was a fighting champ. Where's, where's my fight? Uh, of course, Ember Moon still kayfabe injured from the last time she faced Shayna. Um, I like the whole Lacey Evans, Dakota Kai thing. I like the character they're giving Lacey Evans, kind of the uh, uptight, prissy Southern girl, uh, you know, what are you, 1950s pinup kind sure. of thing. Yep. Uh, it's a great character all around. She does a great job as a heel. Dakota Kai is like the spunky, sweet, uh, but who can turn on the ass kicking if she wants. I think that'll be a great program if they, if they let that run. Yep. And then it happened. Yes. And then, I, I don't know, are we going to say his name on the show? Because they refused to on the commentary until this the week very on NXT. End, until the very end. We had that bald bastard. Son of a bitch. That dirty, rotten scoundrel. Let's go ahead and say it. Tommaso Ciampa came out silently with his, uh, with his crutch in hand, walking to the ring, apparently about to say something, but the booze... The booze that rained down on him kept him from saying anything, and instead he just stalked around and glared at the crowd and stole one poor kid's uh, Johnny Gargano sign, ripped it in two, and beat the crap out of it in the ring with his crutch, and then stalked off. This was a great segment. It was basically about 10 minutes 
of Ciampa just trying to get heat from the crowd. Uh, this was not on the Roman Reigns post last year's WrestleMania level anywhere near. I don't think that's possible. But man, he he definitely worked up some heat and he established that people freaking hate him. Without saying a word. Without saying a word. Said not one word. Yeah, it's fantastic stuff. Which led us into uh, a program we've been building for a few weeks now. Alistair Black facing off against Killian Dane. We finally got this match. And I got to say it delivered. Yeah, was, it was good. I was... Very pleasantly surprised. I thought this might be a little bit of a flub. But I, uh, be it honest worked. with you, it, so it was not an all time classic. It was not, there's definitely been some NST matches in the last even six months that I can point to um, and just be like, those were outstanding freaking matches. I remember, I remember uh, Roderick Strong and, and Drew McIntyre being really good. Uh, Roderick Strong was actually in a lot of those matches that I remember being fantastic. Uh, but this was still very entertaining. Uh, Killian Dane showed off uh, his move set for the first time in a long time. Uh, and he's got some great ones. Alistair Black got to look like he can beat a monster. The, the body hair suplex is what you're referring uh, to. The body hair suplex, yes. The 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 furry bunny costume. Uh, uh, with yeah, I tell you what, man. I, I think Killian Dane could go a long way if they if they let him because he just his look and his mannerisms and everything. Well, otherwise, he'll put you in a hairy arm lock and oh. the, you know. I, I'm immediate tap out. Okay, he wins. Yeah, yep, you win. You win. you win. I don't. I don't know how Nikki Cross does it, but uh, yeah. So Alistair Black wins this one and goes on. Looks like he will be facing Andrade Cien Almas at Takeover New Orleans for the championship, Woo. and I'm looking forward to that program. Well, as if it were meant to be, uh, if if it's, if it's anything, in International Women's Day news, yeah. Abby Lath has been released. <laughs> Like, you couldn't have picked any up. other day <laughs> to, to release. do this. Well, not only Abby Lath, they also released Sage Beckett. Uh, so, yeah, NXT decided to to celebrate Women's Day by releasing a couple of women. Uh, all right. I don't know. There's still speculation as to why both of these women got released. We're just getting this news today, obviously. So, this is not... We don't have the story here. Uh, there's rumors going on about management being down on Abby Lath for some of her something that she did regarding her roommate. I don't know. We're still uh, word is out on there. We also have a couple other of uh, future endeavorments. Uh, Gu Guanming and Seahawks former Seahawks running back Demetrius Brown uh, both got released. Brown had an injury, a uh, really nasty injury, I guess. Um, I don't have any more details on that, but that's why he was released. But yeah, a lot of uh, NXT releases today. Uh, I am bummed about Abby Lath. She was a, she was really good. I enjoyed her in the May Young Classic. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what happened there, and I'm looking forward to finding out. Uh, but that is a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Well, hey, let's head over and talk about what went down in 205 Live because we had the the continuing on, the final quarterfinals match. And after this, the semifinals are now set. And if you're still listening at this point, if the 205 Live didn't make you switch off the podcast, that's good. Because if you are not watching 205 Live, then you are missing out. It's crazy crazy how they've turned this show around into must watch tv and we this were talking is, about this before the show and you made a comment that trips has turned it around in a matter of weeks literally like overnight almost and and the the linchpins kind of being the tournament and uh the intro i think my theory is that in the introduction of a gm was really the game changer there because until then you were reliant upon Neville for the last year and then Enzo for the next few months. Well, you had it be very character based. And I mean, this goes all the way back to that awful Alicia Fox, Noam Dar, Cedric Alexander, love triangle, tomfoolery. You had Enzo obviously being put in there because character first wrestling second, which made Neville run away. Yep. Uh, and, and Drew Gulak doing PowerPoint presentations and all of this kind of goofy Vince McMahon character stuff. 
Uh, you know, Vince still loves his cartoony, goofy character wrestling. I mean, I just read something about how he was integral in creating the Bludgeon Brothers, which you and I both agreed was one of the worst gimmicks in the last few years. It's just completely throwback, like early 90s garbage gimmick, which thankfully Luke Harper and, and Eric Rowan are charismatic and big enough and they, they pulled it off. Yeah, it works, but not in a, it barely works. Frankly, I haven't seen it work yet because they haven't wrestled anybody <laughs> they only done jobbers right and, and that's and that is the question with them to, to go on a bit of a tangent is what will happen when the monsters stop winning what do you do then but that was vince's thing with 205 live was characters 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 even if they were goofy and ridiculous well now we have this completely like night and day different thing we've gone back to the cruiserweight cl- a classic where you have the GM be the one character, and he's the guy who defines the character of the brand. He brings out whatever storyline you need with the wrestlers, and then they give some promos, some quick, hard promos, and then you have a match. You don't have all of these, you know, all of this gimmick stuff going on. You don't have that. As you I stroke my wrestling. beard, it feels very NXT. It does, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. So now all of a sudden we have. I mean, on this show alone, we had three matches. We had uh, two of the corner final matches, which was Drew Gulak versus Mark Andrews, which was a great match. And the, the, the turn that they've done with Drew Gulak's character, where he's referencing the gimmick that he was doing under Vince, but he's also referencing why he's changing back into the crazed murderer that he was in the CWC. Uh, and, and the way that he's doing that storyline in the ring as well and his with mannerisms and everything is fantastic yep. he's one of the few guys that's able that has been able to transition his character into this new regime beautifully and it's actually given him so many layers and made him interesting and he beat mark andrews in a great match you had uh, uh i was gonna say rockstar spud but i'm sorry drake maverick yes. the gm you had him uh tag uh, make a tag team a cruiserweight tag team between hideo itami and akira tozawa and they beat a couple of jobbers in a fun match uh, I think that could be a great look for both of them. I like the idea of tag teams in uh, 205 Live. Uh, and then you also had what I would argue is the match of the week, which is Buddy Murphy, who's in insane shape now. He's an insane. He cut so much weight and got so lean to be a cruiserweight. And he faced off against Mustafa Ali in an absolute spectacular match. Well, to your point, they made a they made a big deal about him, his debut at the beginning of the tournament where he just got in like 204.9 or right, something. Right. He just got under the 205 weight limit. And this week, they did another segment where he's now carved down to 197. Which is crazy. Is, that is some insane kind of discipline to be able he's to do that kind of stuff. one large pectoral yes. at this point. Yes. But my point with saying all this was is that now this show is mostly wrestling. You had one or two, you had a, a promo from Mustafa Ali, a little promo from Buddy Murphy, and and a little backstage segment with Drew Gulak, very 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 little bit of character work, enough to give you an idea of what to expect in the match, like the basic story, and then it was all told in the ring. And if you watch the Buddy Murphy Mustafa Ali match, it's the I I, I have to say it's the most invested I've heard the audience since Neville. Uh, they got into this match and they got into the match because the story that was told in the ring was fantastic. Yeah. Chance of Ali, Ali, yes. Ali. You know, I wasn't expecting that. And frankly, Mustafa Ali got the win over Buddy Murphy. I did not see that one coming. I didn't either. I thought with all the push they'd given Buddy Murphy that he would go further. But I liked what they did here because they kept him looking strong. They, they had it so that Mustafa Ali injured his arm in the match. And then Buddy couldn't complete some moves towards the end of the match. And that cost him the match. 
so he ended up looking strong coming out of this. And Mustafa Ali came out looking like a million bucks. Both guys are look legit. Uh, and next week we, we're going to have, uh, let's see, is it next week or are we going to do one and then the other? I'm not sure what their schedule is, but the bottom line is we have Cedric Alexander versus Roderick Strong. Damn. Cannot wait. Uh, and then we're going to have Mustafa Ali versus Drew Gulak. Damn. Cannot wait. I am excited for 205 Live. Stakes. They've done it. It's what I said two or three weeks ago. It's, Stakes. I'm in now, and I've been Stakes. watching every week since. Stakes and waits. And also, uh, Shane Helms had a, had a good idea online where he said to keep things fresh and interesting in 205 Live, don't have tag teams, have trios belts. Mm. And I think that's a great idea. Uh, it works really well. Uh, in Ring of Honor, works well in Lucha Underground. You got a lot of guys coming into this roster who are going to be cruiserweights. Fill it up. Have some trios. Why not? Or you just have other kinds of belts rather than the one championship belt, right? I, I hate the idea of isolating guys off into tag teams for they can only fight for, for that belt. And occasionally you'll do a singles here and there. But I like the idea of having one-off belts where you can not only chase the Cruiserweight Classic, but the other mid-card belts as well. Well, then you're going to do stuff like that into the division. You're going to be excited with some upcoming news from NXT. It was not revealed on NXT TV this week, so we won't go into it. But we do have some stuff coming up on NXT to call back real quick that will make you very happy about the belt scene. Uh, I can't say any more than that other than when I heard the news, I got very titillated very fast. <laughs> I am super excited for what they're going to be doing with belts over in NXT and hopefully what they will be end up doing on 205 Live. Well, let's head over and talk about uh, what went down on New Japan this week. Uh, we had the 46th anniversary show, which, you know, a couple of notable points, Ian. Why don't you run those down for us? Yeah, no, this was a fairly standard uh, fairly standard big show for them. You know, a bunch of, bunch of tag matches to to kind of build ongoing stories. And then they had a few big matches at the top of the card. Uh, most notably that you had Osprey, Will Osprey versus Kazuchika Okada, champion versus champion, no belts on the line, but it was, it was still just kind of an exhibition match. Um, Okada has said that he respect, he respects Osprey a lot. They're both chaos members. Um, so this was, this was more of showing off, you know, how great Okada is, but also Okada putting over Osprey a lot. And Okada did win, but afterwards, he put over how great he thinks Osprey is and then proceeded to go off about how no one else was on his level. <laughs> He's like, I've beaten everybody. There's nobody else. This is all about me. I'm going to make it rain because I'm Kazuchika Okada and I'm the greatest guy in the world, which, you know, he's got a point. Uh, there was also a match. Naito had a match against uh, Taichi, probably the most hated man, I would think, in New Japan. Or like, like, go away heat. Like, people freaking hate Taichi. People didn't hate him in this match. People loved him. I don't know why people were chanting for Taichi in this match. It was crazy. Uh, is that because Naito just murdered him? Uh, at first, Taichi was definitely, uh, they were having an even match, and then <laughs> Naito took Taichi's uh, uh, microphone that he uses to sing to the crowd with and broke it over his head and then tried to snap it over his knee, and the crowd was immediately back on Naito's side, and of course he won. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, it was fun to see Naito lose his composure a bit. Uh, and then, of course, we also had an Intercontinental Championship match. Togi Makabe faced off against Minoru Suzuki. You can kind of guess how that went. Speaking of murder. Speaking of murder, yeah. Togi got murdered, and then Minoru blasted the crowd in a great, great promo. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I recommend checking that one out online. There is a subtitled version. It's great. Uh, in other news, we also had a three-way tag team championship match. Rapongi 3K showing you are the champs. Uh, and they faced, faced off against Los Ingobernables, which was uh, represented by Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi, and Suzuki Gun, represented by El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanomaru. Kanomaru slapped the absolute crap 
crap out of show. I mean, it looked a lot like TJ Perkins' chest at the end of the CWC. It, huh. was, it was gross. It looked like Walter had been chopping him. Uh, so that was it. And, and Suzuki Gun won. They wow. beat Sho and Yo. They're, they're your new uh, junior heavyweight champions. Damn. And that's pretty much all from this show. We do have the New Japan Cup coming up starting at the end of the week. Uh, first round matches include Naito versus Zack Sabre Jr. So that should be good. I'll talk about that next week. Super Junior is coming up soon as well. That's coming up later on. And Strong Style of Alden Long Beach is coming up yes. uh, later in March Have as we well. Have we gotten tickets yet? <laughs> we have not, I don't know if we will, man. That <laughs> March is booked up pretty sold well. Sold out like a mother. Uh, although, I mean, that's going to be a great show. Just even in like the spectacle matches like Rey Mysterio versus uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah. It's going to be some good stuff. Wow. Well, hey, going back to the WWE for a second, we have to talk about the uh, the interaction of Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman oh my God. on the Mixed Match Challenge oh. episode this week. Uh, full disclosure, I have not watched the full episode yet, but I did see the clips of the, I'll say, cat fighting. Even if you watch the highlights from yeah. this, even if you don't watch the whole episode, it's worth it just for the physical comedy between everyone. It's, it's, it, this week, it was Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss uh, versus Jimmy Uso and Naomi. Yep. Uh, and my God, first the, the stare down in the ring where Alexa bliss tells Braun to hold her belt and then jumps at Naomi. Like, I mean, I can only describe it as like a, a Looney tunes, the little dog in Looney tunes. Like, <laughs> let me at him. Let me at him. I'm gonna get him. And Braun just holds her back with one arm and she's just flailing. And Naomi's doing the, like the windmill hits at her as well. Oh my God. There's at least three times this match I laughed out loud. In addition, they're playing up this whole sexual chemistry between Alexa and Braun thing, and it's the best version of that angle they've. I can remember them doing in WWE because it's not too overdone. It's just fun enough that it's there. Uh, but there's a couple times where like Alexa gets thrown out of the ring and Braun catches her, and they exchange like a look like, "Oh hey, I I mean." We have to get back to the match. Right. It's so much It's so much fun. The mixed Match Challenge continues to be complete, wonderful sports entertainment that's just light and fun, and there's nothing heavy about it, and I love it. Well, you know me. I love some Alexa Bliss and some Braun you're, Strowman. You you're her, the two you're of her them big together. brother. Yes. You, you, yes. you feel like you are Braun Strowman with your giant beard over there, and you feel big brotherly towards Alexa Bliss, which is a little bit weird. Yes, Buddy Murphy. Big brother. Not anything else. Buddy Murphy could eat you. I, I know. But he could still eat. It probably weighs less than you do. Could probably bench press yes. you. Hey, let's talk about Ring of Honor. They've got their 16th anniversary show coming up. <laughs> Moving on. Yes, they do indeed. They they released their show card. It looks really good. Really good list up here. You have two uh, Women of Honor tournament matches. Speaking of tournaments, they do have their Women of Honor uh, tournament going on there. Obviously, the champion will be crowned at the end. Uh, two matches on this card: Tennille Dashwood, formerly known as Emma, versus Cody's wife, Brandy Rhodes. That's going to be a cool match. Yep. Also, uh, coming over from Stardom, Japan, uh, you've got Sumie Sakai versus Hana Kimura, which is going to be a great, probably very hard-hitting match uh, between one of the youngest members of Stardom and one of the more venerable members. That's, that's going to, I think, going to be a kind of a crowning of a new up-and-coming star. Uh, in a match that I cannot wait to see, Flip Gordon one-on-one -on -one against Hiromu Takahashi. Oh, yes. If, if what we just saw recently at Honor Rising in New Japan is any, any indication, this is going to be eye-popping. We've got Punishment Martinez versus Marty Skrull. I think P Punishment Martinez is probably one of the most underrated wrestlers in the world right really? now. He's amazing. Great character. Great ring work. Against Marty Skrull should be really good. The villain. The villain himself. Uh, Cody is going to have a match against Matt Taven. Matt Taven, excuse me. 
uh, Tavin stole Cody's ring of honor from him and uh, has been tormenting him with having it. But apparently the ring might be cursed. It's a whole fun storyline. Uh, I have a feeling Cody's going to pick up the win here just to avenge it, but might not get his ring back. And it will probably continue on uh, with that storyline. Uh, in terms of three on three, we've got SoCal Uncensored versus the Hung Bucks. Hangman Page with the Young Bucks. Right. Uh, we've also got the tag championship, the Briscoes, who I expect to pick up the tag championships against the Motor City Machine Guns because the Briscoes have just been getting better and better. They've been defining themselves more. They've had some big wins over some legends recently. I think it's their time. Uh, and then finally, in the championship match, Dalton Castle defending his champion against probably the most venerable ex-champ in the company still, and that's Jay Lethal. Yeah. That's going to be a killer match. I do expect Dalton Castle to pick up the win here. You do? Okay. I have, Yeah, he's going to cement the fact that he's the champ, and the best way to do that is have him beat a former multi-time champ. Yeah. And I think this is the, this is the place to do it. He, you know, he beat Cody for the title. Now he's going to beat Jay Lethal, Lethal, and then just that way he says, it's my time. I'm Dalton Castle. This is my world now. Uh, so I expect him to win this one. So we think we're done with Cody at this point, uh, for, as far as the championship goes. Uh, he's he, not. Yeah, he's got a whole other thing going on with Matt Tavin and, and Kingdom and all of those guys over another part of the card. Gotcha. And he's also working so many other dates, so many, so many other places that it makes more sense to have someone like Dalton Castle, who's around more, there to defend your championship. Right. Well, let's wrap this up with a little bit of fun, Ian. Let's do a little bit of a lightning round Ooh. of some newsy-type news stuff. Starting off with... Hard-hitting hard news items. Here we go. Sammy Callahan hit Eddie Edwards in the head with a bat on impact. Speaking of hard-hitting, hard-hitting news bits. Yeah, Sammy Callahan had a botched spot where he put a chair on Eddie Edwards' neck, went to hit it, it glanced off the chair, smacked Eddie Edwards full force in the face, busted him open, smashed his face, Callahan reacted in the ring like, oh, shit, at first. But then since then, in interviews and online, has people have been coming at him right and left. Cornette's been shitting on him. A lot of other workers have been shitting on him. And he basically came out of it going, screw all of you guys. Yeah, I hit him in the face. What? He's got a new shirt that says, I busted Eddie Edwards' face. He's, going, he's turning straight <laughs> into the heat. Um, to his defense, obviously a work. Uh, he's saying like, he hasn't talked to Eddie Edwards since. He definitely has. The reports yeah. were that he was with Eddie Edwards in the hospital and was feeling awful about it backstage. But I love the fact that he is old school like this and is using all of this, this social media hatred to build up real heat. And I wouldn't be surprised if he and Eddie in the hospital conspired to steer oh, into this. They are absolutely steering into yeah. this. This is going to be a huge, great work. Uh, I feel horrible for Sammy. This is a spot he's done before successfully. Uh, it is a dangerous spot. He screwed this one up, and he I, I, I'm pretty sure backstage he's taking responsibility for this. Yeah. Sammy's not known as being a 100% nice guy, but this is definitely a work, and I think it's a smart work. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Coachman, coach, uh, has been named in an ESPN sexual harassment lawsuit. Uh, WWE's response? W they're saying we take these matters very seriously and are investigating, quote, of unquote, uh, coach was just named in it. He's not actually someone who's being sued uh, by, by this woman from ESPN. Uh, she is naming him as being an example of some of the culture at ESPN uh, where apparently he was offering mentorship, but then when she said that she wasn't interested in him, he never returned her texts or something like that. Um, he's responded by saying, he's, he's turning right into this as well and saying, this is BS. I've never been so insulted in my life. Um, you know, I, I'm not the kind of guy, my, my reputation speaks for itself. So I don't think we're going to see any repercussions from this, at least on coach's end. He's not deep enough 
mired in this lawsuit to see any repercussions. Um, and there's not, and there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that's actually, he's being defended as well by Jamela Hill, who works over at ESPN still. So there's a, there's a lot of different talking heads going on on at, at ESPN that are involved. Coachman is definitely a tertiary player in this. I don't think we're going to hear a whole lot more about this. Well, hey, what is this about Fabrico Verdum becoming Brock Lesnar part two? Okay, so he's an ex-UFC MMA champ. Like He's a, he's a big dude in MMA. Sure. Uh, he had tweeted out that he was having pro wrestling meetings in San Diego this week. And I guess everyone took that as being he's interested in WWE. He clarified later on Twitter saying, no, he was thinking about going to do pro wrestling in Lucha Libre in Mexico. And that's what he was down here for. So he squashed the WWE rumors pretty quickly. Obviously, you take everything with a grain of salt. So maybe he was meeting with WWE and he's trying to throw people off the scent. But yeah, this may just be a non-starter as well. Hmm. Well, it looks like we're going to have a, a bit of a dream match, maybe, with Marty Skrull facing off against Pete Dunne. Yeah, Destiny Wrestling on April 29th. That's going to be a nice match. Uh, if anyone out there is getting to see that or, or, or finds out more about it, I'd love to know more about it because that sounds like a delicious match. Yes, absolutely. Speaking of Marty Skrull, hey, Mick Foley put, puts over the Bullet Club in general and the Young Bucks in particular on Facebook after a show at Northeast Wrestling in Connecticut. Yeah, Mick Foley had a Facebook post where he basically said the Buckamania has run wild on him to quote him exactly uh but it was basically just his way of saying look it's really cool that these kids and kenny omega and a lot of these other indie guys have basically made themselves a fortune because of industry because of of work ethic um he was saying how it's how insane the merchandise is for bullet club and for young young bucks and everything uh, you know, and as Mick, Mick Foley is an old school hustler when it comes to his product and when it comes to selling his his merchandise. I mean, you look at him in the ECW days, and and he's famously, notoriously stingy with his money. And I, I don't mean any of this as a as a as a disparagement. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's actually a, a a very strong characteristic to have. Um, unlike some wrestlers, you know, who just throw their money everywhere and buy themselves Rolexes and limo rides and jet flying and all the rest of it. But uh, but Mick is basically saying like he's so impressed by these guys. Um, it's a it's a lot like uh, you know back in the day where you didn't work for WWE WCW, you didn't have you had to just hustle for everything. It's a whole new world now, and these guys are making so much money by themselves. They don't need WWE or yeah. or any of the other big companies. They're going all over the place and doing it their way. And it's just a great article that he wrote about how impressive that is and how impressed he is with it. They have they have built a giant brand around their that that group with Huge. t-shirts, YouTube following, social media following, everything. Yeah. So. If you were to take a shot for every Bullet Club related t-shirt in an audience at any given WWE show, you die. Yeah. You die. There's I mean, there are as many out there as Roman Reigns or John Cena or any of the biggest merchandise shirts in WWE, you have as many uh Bullet Club related shirts in the audience crazy wow well hey a couple of weeks ago or maybe it was last week we talked about bar wrestling and going to see that down in los angeles yeah joey ryan's bar wrestling yep. uh well there's a little bit of news about that this week so briley pierce as he's known in nxt he's also known as hot young briley over in bar wrestling and he was kind of a um for lack of a better word kind of a goofy jobber okay uh people loved to hate him he's one of those characters uh, so he is also known as Ryan Nemeth. He's Dolph Ziggler's brother. Gotcha. In real life. Uh, he looks to be heading back to NXT, but on the way, he talks some smack about bar wrestling in general. And Joey Ryan in particular, 
uh, saying that, you know, it is what it is. Uh, he's not a big fan of, of the company or of Joey Ryan or how they booked him. Uh, and he's glad to be gone. So that's a, it's a bit of a bummer to read. Uh, obviously, you and I are fans of Joey Ryan. Bar Wrestling is, is here in L.A., and it's kind of one of our hometown uh, federations, for yeah. lack of a better word. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of a bummer to hear. But uh, we, we, we look forward to seeing Briley back in NXT, and I'm curious to see what happens with him there. Well, speaking of L.A., the fire department here, the L.A. fire department saved the Rocks, two-year-old baby girl Jasmine. Yes, this was crazy. The uh, mayor retweeted this and sent out a big message to him. You know, he sent out, a, Rock sent out a big thank you to yeah. the L.A. fire department, and, you know, it was picked up by so the So we don't know what exactly everybody. happened. All we know is that Rock's two-year-old daughter Jasmine got sick somehow. We don't know how. Uh, and the Rock called 911, and the operator on the other end talked him through what to do until the LAFD and the ambulance showed up. And Rock tweeted out that he was just so happy with them and so thankful for them because they saved her life, essentially. Yep. Uh, she's fine now. She went to the hospital, and whatever was the problem was fixed. But yeah, this was, this was kind of a crazy, crazy situation. Um, but very cool to hear The Rock calling out uh, the wonderful work that the LAFD does, does do. I'm glad you said that. And I wanted to take a moment to say that I don't give to very, I give a lot to a very few small set of charities every year. One of them is the LA Fire Department that I give to a lot to because living here in LA, we are surrounded by fires a lot of times during I the have, year. We've done this show when I have driven here yes. past the smoldering remains of the Sepulveda Pass. Yes. That the LA Fire Department kept from turning into a conflagration that took out millions of dollars worth of homes. Yes. So uh, th- this is one small thing that the LA Fire Department does every single day. And if they can get a little bit of press and notoriety out of helping The Rock save his daughter... More power to it, and I, no. I, I want to call more attention to big the props fire to the Rock. Big props to the Rock as well for yeah. for giving them their props. Big time, yeah. big time. Well, guys, we'll have our fast lane recap out early next week, uh, followed by which will be the last hurdle, speed bump, roadblock, whatever you want to use before we get onto the road to WrestleMania. So, Ian, let's break down real quick. What we know about WrestleMania as it stands today. Yeah, if WrestleMania were to happen tomorrow, these are the matches we know are going to happen. You've got Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. You have AJ versus Shinsuke, so we assume Shinsuke will definitely be in a a title match at WrestleMania against either AJ or AJ and Cena, we assume. Uh, You have Stephanie and Triple H versus uh, Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey. Uh, Right now, it looks like Miz versus, versus Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. Uh, rumors that Samoa Joe or Braun Strowman may get involved in that as well. Uh, heavily rumored still, John Cena versus Undertaker. Uh, you have the uh, the Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, and then, of course, a bunch of the rumored matches, Oscar versus Charlotte, Nia versus Alexa, Usos versus the Bludgeon Brothers, Sasha versus Bayley, uh, Orton, Mahal, and Rude for the U.S. title, and possibly the Under the Giant Battle Royale. Mm. So that's what we're looking at right now. That's a pretty darn good card, top to bottom, I got to say. If all of those rumors stayed true, yes. Uh, Barring one or two matches, which I think they could build into something good. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a damn good card. We missed out on the point where Cena was going to win his 17th. Ain't going to happen, Nick. <laughs> Get out of your dreamland. I know the medication's messing up your head, buddy, but uh, come back to reality. Join me here and join us over on Facebook in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. We talk a lot about the current goings-on in wrestling. We post up some funny memes. We make each other laugh. We discuss ongoing news items and have a great time just talking about all things sports entertainment and pro wrestling. Yes, and follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Let us know what you think about each week's episodes, and we'll get back to you with our thoughts as well, if not directly here on 
on the show. If you'd like to support this show, you can head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store, pick up some sweet swag for you to rock the next time you go to a wrestling event. And as well, come back and check us out next week. After our Fastlane uh, recap, we will have more on New Japan, NXT, 205 Live, Ring of Honor, and more. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.